0: Is entitled "Resist, Resist," and that will make more sense as we go on. This is number 22 in our study of Nehemiah, a time for restoration. Sometimes we're in the book of Nehemiah. Sometimes we're following the themes of Nehemiah in this, and we're going to start off by reading 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. And there's a handout where you can fill in the key main points. There, there's more points than just what's on there, but these are the main ones to help you remember. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to lead you in prayer, then we're going to read the scripture, then we'll get into the message. Father, I want to thank you for your grace upon us this morning. I want to thank you that your love has been like a blanket surrounding us as that prophecy went forth, Lord continue to surround us with your love and let this be a Satan free zone in Jesus name. We declare this place holy ground for your word to go forth, for our lives to be transformed, for our hearts to be changed. God give me the words that you want me to share in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right. Hands on our hearts, please. Pray this nice and loud. Dear Jesus, Jesus, speak to my heart heart. and change my life. life. In your precious name, name. Amen. amen. Well, there's two words that will help you be a strong, effective Christian. The first one and we heard it this morning during the worship, is the word receive. Every good thing that comes from the Father, we receive it from Him. Every good thing, we need to receive it from the Father. Without receiving it, without grace, we'll never be able to stand. So the, the first word that helps us to be... a strong Christian that we're meditating on this morning is this word, receive. The next word is another R word, and it's the title of the message, and it's resist. Say resist with me. We want to receive from God. We don't want to resist God. We don't want to receive from the devil. We want to resist the devil. So with our father, we need to receive from our father, not resist him. With regards to the devil, Satan, sin, the world, the flesh, we want to resist the devil. Sometimes we get those two things mixed up. Sometimes we are bowing before the enemy rather than standing up to him and standing against him. At other times, we are standing against God rather than submitting to Him. So if we get that right, submission to God, receiving from Him, and resisting the devil, we will be strong. And today, I'm going to focus specifically on resisting the devil. So here, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Say resist him. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing, yeah, you can say that, firm in your faith. <laughs> now you don't have to say the rest. <laughs> But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Could you imagine a security guard going to work drunk? He's not going to be a good security guard, is he? If he's not sober, he's not going to be able to stand guard and be alert. Here, Peter is... Teaching us and he's exhorting us to be sober, to have a sound mind, to be alert, watchful, like a security guard. Why? Because our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The theme this morning is God is faithful. Say the word faithful. God is faithful. And has given you everything you need to resist temptation. God has given us everything we need to resist temptation. The devil tries to deceive believers and say, oh, you're not perfect. You can't resist temptation. Uh, But that is not true. You can resist temptation, you can overcome. So, what should you do when you're tempted? What should you do when tempted? That's the question that we're going to be answering this morning. What should you do when tempted? In Nehemiah 6, which we're going to read soon, we see that Nehemiah's enemies are relentless in attacking God's people. Like a lion, they prowl around seeking to divide, uh, seeking to divide, yeah, and seeking to devour Nehemiah and the remnant of rebuilders. However, through Scripture, God exposes the enemy's tactics and reveals how we should respond. And today I want to show you what you can practically do to overcome temptation. What can you practically do to overcome temptation? And it's summed up in one word, which we're using as our acrostic this morning. Resist. Say that with me. Resist. We're going to look at the R, the E, the S, the I, the S, and the T. (laughs) So first, point one is this, and I'm going to get you to repeat the first word because that's the fill-in there. R is remember. Say remember. remember. Remember who God is, who you are, what the Lord has done and what He has commissioned you to do, remember. And I'll start by reading 1 Corinthians 10.13 here. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So that's what the scripture says about temptation. In the military, they have a phrase called the fog of war. The fog of war. And it's about the fogginess and uncertainty that we go through in battle and warfare, or that an army goes through in battle and warfare. For those who like to play video games, sometimes the video games show this as a, a literal fog of places that you can't see where the enemy is operating and working. From the Wikipedia, It talks about the fog of war and it says this, the fog of war is the uncertainty in situational awareness experienced by participants in military operations. The term seeks to capture the uncertainty regarding one's own capability, adversary capability, and adversary intent during an engagement operation or campaign. Military forces try to reduce the fog of war through military intelligence and friendly force tracking systems. Now, you have your Bible? This is the greatest piece of intelligence there is. This word, this scripture, when understood by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, dispels the fog of war. And I want to also apply the fog of war uh, personally in that when we're under attack, when the enemy is bringing to us temptation, it's easy for us to fall into a kind of fog where we forget who we are and we forget who God is. And we start to forget even the words that we have memorized because of the stress of it, because of the enemy's influence. And I want to show you how to dispel that fog. And and the first thing is through the Scripture, and especially this point. Remember, remember who God is. God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. Remember who you are. He has made you righteous and holy in him. You are not like the people of the world. Don't long for the normal life. You know, sometimes Christians will like, oh, I wish I have a normal life like some person over there. Or look at the wicked. They're prospering so much. Even David talks about that. Psalm 73. Is that a Psalm of David? I'm just, or is that a... So we have in in Psalm... 73, this is Psalm of Asaph. Um, The wicked are prospering so much. What about me? And sometimes we can think that we are just like everyday people, but God has set us apart. We are not like the world. God deals with us differently because we are his children. And he's good to us. He's very good. Tov mayod very good. So we need to remember who we are. Remember who you are. And, and this is like, even if you're public speaking, it's funny. You think you know what you're going to say, and then you get up in front of people when you are public speaking, and then all of a sudden it goes out of your mind. Have you ever had that happen to you? <laughs> and that's why when you're doing public speaking, you have to actually practice over and over so that you don't forget in the time of stress Now think about the spiritual battle too. There are times of great stress. It's very easy under that stress to forget all the messages you've heard, all the teachings you've heard, even all the stuff you've received in your own quiet times. And that's why we need to hear the Word of God repeatedly, over and over and over and over. And that's why Joshua was called to meditate on the Word of God day and night. And we are too. If he was going to have breakthrough, which that's a, a great way to translate the word success there from the Hebrew. If he was going to have breakthrough, if he was going to have success, if he was going to be over, an overcomer, he had to meditate on the word day and night, which meant he had to remember it. And he had to remember it so good that when everything was against him, he wouldn't be foggy. He wouldn't be in that cloud and that fog. He would be clear-minded and clear-headed. It's, it's just like that for athletes, too. We have uh, Genesis. We were talking about basketball. Uh, I don't know if Gideon's watching this. He's, Gideon's sick at home. But did your team win the tournament? Oh, where's Genesis? I thought Genesis was over there. Is he in the park? Okay, I thought he was over here <laughs> sitting with his mom. Uh, Did his team win the tournament? His team, he told me before his team won the tournament. I was looking over there because that's where we were talking. Yeah, yeah, Lillian, come, come say something here. <laughs> come close to the mic so people can hear you. <laughs> I, I don't know if the other mic shouldn't be on. Oh, okay, just click it on. There we go.
1: Um, Just um, going on by what Glenn said, um, just a quick testimony of um, my son and the basketball tournament. So um, before the selection of, um, there was was a whole heap of kids that wanted to um, join the basketball team, but my son was really nervous. He wasn't gonna try out because he said, "Cause he's got this heart condition." Yep, yep. And he was like, "Mom, I don't think I'm gonna get it. I don't think I'm gonna get it." And I said, "Let's just pray about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Lord wills it, you'll be in it." And he goes, "But I'm not as good as in basketball, you know." Yeah. And so, um, yeah, he actually got in. Praise God, he actually got in, and then, and then they won the tournament. But um, Hallelujah. He was praying. He had been praying for someone, like, to help him with his basketball, and mm. Gideon offered. To, so thank you, Gideon, if you're watching. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, thank yeah, you, Gideon. He, but as soon as they won, he, the first person he wanted to tell was Gideon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, thank you, Gideon. That's, that's beautiful. Um, athletes have to so practice that their muscles remember. And maybe they do this in... Uh, kickboxing and all that, that you have to practice so much that your muscles remember so that when you're under intense stress, you just automatically do the right thing. Now, don't, my form is not good with basketball. Giddy and my dad were making fun of my form when we were in Brooklyn a few years ago and I was playing basketball. And they were making fun of my form. <laughs> so then they were teaching me the right way. <laughs> So remember, this is why remember is such an important word in Scripture. The enemy's assaults can cause us to be uncertain. And on a personal level, what we thought we knew, we forget. We get foggy. The fog of war can cause you to forget the Father and His will. And therefore, you need to be intentional about remembering your God and who you are purposely reinforce your armor and your walls so when we're talking about rebuilding the walls we're talking about rebuilding that inner fortitude of resistance against the devil we're not talking about walls against God we want to be open to God those walls against God need to come down but other walls the walls of resistance to the enemy need to be rebuilt and so we remember oh the truth, I am the man of truth, I'm a woman of truth. I'm the righteousness of God. I am righteous in Christ Jesus. I put on that righteousness. Jesus has given me his peace. So I put on those boots of peace and he has called me to walk in peace even when the storm is raging. And then the armor goes on. At the end of this message, we'll look at the shield of faith. And we'll look at all the parts of the armor over the weeks to come. But this brings us to Nehemiah chapter 6. So if you can ch- turn to Nehemiah chapter 6 after 2 Chronicles. <laughs> so we've got 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and then we have Ezra and Nehemiah. I want us to see here the tactics that the enemy is using to stumble God's people. And we're going to have to read a a portion of this. I might break it up and talk about it. But every time you find the tactic of the enemy, feel free to raise your hand and name it. Okay, so I have at least eight written down here from my studies this week. But whatever, if you find something, we'll read about a paragraph. If you find something, then raise your hand and tell me. We're looking for the tactics of the enemy. So Nehemiah 6. Now when it was reported to Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, then Sambalat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, Come, let us meet together at Chephirim in the plain of Ono. Yeah, that's a a good one. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messages to me four times in this manner. And I answered them in the same way. Then Sambalat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshmu says that you are, you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Now we'll just stop there. Do you see any tactics of the enemy there and what the enemy is trying to do? Could you name it? One of the... One of the plans, one of the tactics is, one of the schemes is to distract. Good, thank you. Deception. So there's definitely deception going on here. Yes, yeah, slander. So one of the tactics of the enemy is slander. There's accusations here. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. So we see deception and distraction and... Slandering and accusations. Anything else at this point? Suspicion. suspicion. So they're suspicious, uh, or they're trying to uh, trying to spread the suspicion of these people. and of course, they're suspicious of what they are doing. They're, they're wrong. They're, they're doing, the good people are doing something evil, yes. Yeah, there's a ganging up, a teaming up. Now, you guys are hitting much more stuff than that is in my notes, and it's good stuff, so thank you. Yeah, and interruption. So there's an interruption here. Did you want to add to it? Yeah, five times. It's over and over. And this is one of the things you need to see about the enemy. He's relentless. He doesn't give up. You know, like Pharaoh over and over. Moses said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, no, no. Then he says, yes, and then no. And then it's just going back and forth. But the thing is this. The enemy repeats himself over and over. But God is always stronger than the enemy. And God will always outlast the enemy. Our God is everlasting. So we need to keep on standing. Keep resisting. Keep being strong. If you fall down, don't get stuck in condemnation. Get up quickly. Ask the blood of Jesus to wash you. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness again, the boots of peace. Put on the whole armor again, because the longer you're down, the longer the enemy is going to keep on kicking you and beating you up. And the more you get up, the stronger your spiritual muscles get in getting up again. So that was a good point. All of these points are good points. Anna, did you have something? There's ungodly influence here. Yeah. The first thing that I have written down here is befriending. The enemy is trying to befriend Nehemiah. Come, let us talk. Let us meet together. And it's like it's cordial. But there's... An evil intent behind it. And so this is where discernment is so important. To discern what the enemy is doing. And this is what Nehemiah does. He discerns that they want to harm him in the plane of, oh no. <laughs> but they were planning to harm me. And they were planning to just, anything to just get him to stop doing this work of Restoration. And this, that's what this church is all about. It's about restoring the biblical, uh, the biblical church, restoring, that, restoring the heart of God. It's about revival and, and restoration and renewal. And we're here restoring what everything that we read in Scripture, we want to see it restored on the Earth today. And we want to see the kingdom fully restored in power and glory. That's what this church is about. That's why we're here. And we are on that path. It's not like we're not there. We're on that path. And every every week we should be making another step forward. Amen? We want to see God's kingdom advance. I like how... Nehemiah responds here, I am doing a great work. He sees the work he's doing as a great work. Now, that's not an Aussie kind of way of thinking. And sometimes, I'm from America, and sometimes I don't even think like that. Notice the confidence he has. I am doing a great work. Not that this is nothing. I'm just setting up a bunch of chairs. I'm not doing anything significant or important. Uh... And even when they rebuilt the walls, the city was pretty empty. There wasn't many people that returned from Babylon back. It was such a small remnant They were really outnumbered. Everything was against them. But Nehemiah saw that what he was doing is a great work. Peter, you need to see what you're doing is a great work. Emma, you need to see what you're doing is a great work. Yushi, Fran, Davina... Patrick, Lillian, and you are doing a great work. And I can say that about everybody. I don't want to leave anybody out. Amen. If you are on the path of righteousness, if your heart is longing for that restoration of God's kingdom and His church and His people, you are commissioned to a great work. Don't forget it. Anna, you're doing a great work. Gideon, you're doing a great work. Mandy out there with the kids, she's doing a great work. No, this is, oh, it's just a little thing. No, it isn't. In God's eyes, it is a great work. Reuben's going to be married soon. You're doing a great work. (laughs) He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. (laughs) And we speak blessing on Reuben and his up-and-coming marriage and life and fruitfulness in Jesus' name. The enemy tries to belittle us. You're nothing. You're only preaching to a few people. Not ma- I don't see many people worshiping, raising their hands. All those types. You're not doing anything so important. The enemy tries to belittle us. Listen, if it's just two or three people in a prayer circle, that shakes the kingdom of darkness. And it probably shakes the kingdom of darkness more than a crowd praying. Because in a crowd, you got all sorts of people with all sorts of thoughts and and things going in the heart that may not be uh, truly devoted to the Lord. But wonderful, if we can get this... uh, it was a Suncorp Stadium filled with praying people. That would be wonderful. But more than the crowds, two or three praying together in his name, under his authority, with his heart, shakes the kingdom of darkness. It shakes the kingdom of darkness. And so the enemy is going to try to belittle what we do. He's going to try to be, befriend us, put his arm around us, try to get us off the wall. But Nehemiah says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Now, in this message, I'm just being led by the Spirit. There's a lot of other points here. But I just feel that we should be here where we are right now talking about this. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? So we see all these tactics. Another one that I wrote down, which goes along with what you've been saying is persistence. The enemy is persistent. He's repeating himself over and over. We see he's using persuasion, smooth talk. He's a smooth talker. The enemy often comes like an angel of light to try to deceive us, persuade us. Again, we need to remember. Remember God's commission over your life. And after the resurrection of Jesus, what the disciples forgot was who they were and what they were called to. So because of the trauma of the crucifixion, they're shaking in fear. They have the door closed because of the Jews. They don't know what to do anymore. Jesus comes. He walks through their resistance, their wall. He walks through it and says to them, peace be with you. Shalom. When we understand shalom, we know that's about completeness, wholeness, soundness. And that's what Jesus wants to bring to his disciples. Jesus rose from the dead, but his disciples did not know the power of his resurrection yet. And so they were fearful. And then Peter was very lost. And Jesus is trying to restore him, saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. And then... Peter says, yes, I love you. And then Jesus reminds him his call no longer is just a fish out in the water. He's meant to be a fisher of people. He's meant to save souls and make disciples, and he's meant to feed the sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And this is something that we're all called to do in Christ Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so we have to remember who we are, who God is, the commission he's given us, especially when we've been knocked around. We've received a few blows to the head. We've kind of fallen down. We're ready to tap out. Remember. Remember who God is. Remember who you are. Amen? And then all, if we keep on reading this, You're gonna let me keep reading this here. We, uh, you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall. So he's trying to accuse them of rebellion. And you are to be their king, according to these reports. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah, and now it will be reported to the king, according to these reports. So come now, let us take counsel together. Then I sent a message to him saying, such things as you are saying have not been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Do you see a few more of the tactics there? What do you see? There's lies, pretending to be a friend, friend, that befriending. Discouragement. Discouragement, yes, they will become discouraged. So the enemy is going to try to discourage you. Also, frighten, frighten, put fear in you to frighten you. So it's amazing how the Word of God, the Scripture, gives us this intelligence about what the enemy is up to. So he prepares us even beforehand these are the things he's going to try to do. He uses control and manipulation. He tries to use intimidation and fear, accusations, discouragement. And then at, all, at the end of all this, at the end of all of this, he, the enemy tries to use false prophecy. You look at verse 10 here. When I enter the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mahattabel who was confined at home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you and they are coming to kill you at night. But I said, should a man like me flee? And could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him, but he uttered his prophecy against me because of Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. So they actually hired someone to prophesy against him. And so the enemy tries to use false prophecy to twist things, to get us from the great work that God has called us to do. And this is why we have to, prophecy is good, but we have to weigh it all up. We have to discern. We have to know, is this from God? Don't, if someone gives you a prophetic word, you need to stop doing this and do that. You need to say, uh, I'll check with the Father first. <laughs> Don't let people control you through prophecy. You can hear God personally yourself, and if it doesn't agree with the Scripture and and it doesn't agree with what the Holy Spirit has put in your heart to do, then do not go along with it. Do not be deceived by false prophecy. Are you with me here? All of that in the first point, and so we need need to remember that first scripture we read. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide The way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So let's go to the E, and we're going to have to go quicker with these. Exercise your authority. Say that with me. Exercise your authority. So how are you going to resist temptation? You need to exercise your authority. We read in Romans 16.20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And we've been learning how to put on those boots of the gospel of peace. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I like to put in shalom there. The God of shalom will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Jesus, through His death and resurrection has given you authority over every evil power. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 18 through 19. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and to own, and, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Now, when it's talking about serpents and scorpions, it's talking about demonic powers, evil forces, things that come to tempt us, spiritual things. But notice what Jesus says I have given you authority. So I want you to say with me, I have authority. And it says here, authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So there's there's no power that Jesus has not given you authority over. Say all. all. It's all. I'm having you repeat it often because I'm wanting it to get in your heart. All the power of the enemy you have authority over and nothing will... Injure you, nothing will harm you. He's speaking about our authority over demonic spirits, and demonic spirits come to tempt us. So there could be a spirit of fear that comes to attack you, a spirit of intimidation, a spirit of deception, a spirit that tries to belittle you, a spirit of pride, a spirit of lust, a spirit of uncleanness. There's all these spirits, a spirit of jealousy a spirit that's trying to torment you, a spirit of unforgiveness. These spirits try to come to afflict us, to knock us down. We need to take our stand and resist. Resist, resist, resist. And how do you resist? Well, you need to use your authority and you can say something like this, spirit of fear, get behind me. And it's good to name the spirit and you be as persistent as the spirit is trying to afflict you. But you need not accept that that fear is your own because it's not. It's not who you are. The anxiety is not who you are. The worry is not who you are. And the torment is not who you are. It's not who God's called you to be. Whatever the sin may be, the uncleanness, I resist and command that uncleanness to be gone from me in Jesus' name. You take your authority. How about sickness? There's a lot of people being tormented by by sickness, and I have my own health battles, and so I'm constantly saying, in Jesus' name, this spirit of sickness, get behind me. And Lord, I'm believing... You to heal me and strengthen me today and renew me today. And so there is this constant battle, but Jesus has given us all authority. So exercise your authority. That's the E, exercise your authority. Uh, Putting on the boots of the gospel of peace means you know and you walk in your authority in Christ. So when you've put on those boots of the gospel of peace, which you're going to soon crush Satan, With and you're crushing Satan with it even now because he has given you authority. When you put on those boots, you are putting on your authority. Don't leave home barefooted, (laughs) spiritually speaking. (laughs) You want those boots on, you want to go out with authority and strength. Since the enemy is relentless, you need to resist, resist, resist. So I want to read to you some verses about these calls of resistance. Ephesians 6.13 Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So notice, Put on the full armor of God, take it. you got to take hold of it so that you can resist in the evil day. Then James 4.7 says this, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then what we read in 1 Peter 5.9 already, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. The idea of suffering in Scripture is it's a suffering of the battle and warfare we're in. It's not just letting the enemy have a field day with you and I'm suffering for Jesus. The suffering is you're in the battle. You're fighting. You're not letting the enemy... Uh, overwhelm you. You're not letting the enemy have his way with you. You're standing against him. Are you with me here? And all of these verses use the same Greek word, anthistemi, anthistemi. And anthistemi is made up of two parts: anti, which is to be against, and histemi, which means stand. So this word, resist. It means to stand against. And uh, here in one of the uh, well-known Bible dictionaries, the Lao and Nida, it says to resist by actively opposing pressure or power. So this word means to resist by actively opposing pressure or power. It also means to set oneself against, to oppose, to weigh against, to outweigh, to hold one's ground, to refuse, to yield. Are you getting the picture? So it's being strong, and it's resisting and standing against and opposing the power that's coming against you. And I would say this too. The devil likes to use people... And it's important probably not to say to the people oh, the devil is using you because they don't understand that. But you need to discern that there's spirits that try to operate through people. Resist the spirit, but love the person. Pray for the person. Pray that God works in that person, experiences love. Make a distinction between the person and the spirit and in, in intercession and prayer, Break that off for them and pray for them because we're called to pray for our enemies and we're called to love our enemies and we want to see that redemption. So realize that distinction, make that distinction so that your anger is not against the person who is being victimized, but your anger is against the real enemy. And the real enemy is Satan and the hordes of darkness. And you may have had a family member that has treated you wrong, abused you as a kid. Know know that it was the enemy trying to use that person. You pray for that family member to be saved. You pray that God has mercy, delivers them, sets them free from that captivity. But resist the spirit, but love the person. But don't love the person in such a way that oh you submit to them <laughs> and the evil not like that you've got to be wise and discerning I'm not going to allow anything to get me off of this wall You understand that? And so I'm teaching you some wisdom or just reminding you of wisdom. Is that yes. is how we destroy the works of the devil. Yes. This is how we destroy the works of de- the devil. Someone does something evil to us, we do to them good in return. They show us anger and hostility. We then counteract that with mercy and grace. But knowing that this person is not operating in the right spirit and knowing that we need to go into the secret place and pray for them and even may need to recruit a few friends to pray for them too you understand this how about with regards to demonic visitations at night many people have these demonic visitations at night where they're paralyzed or scared well you have authority in Jesus name remember that the name of Jesus is above every other name so use the name of Jesus and use your authority in Christ and know who you are and in Jesus' name, get out of me or get away from me. Get out of my room. Get out of my house. It may not be that the demonic spirit's in you, but get away from me. Get away from this house. I just claim this house to be a Satan-free zone, Amen. to be holy ground for the Lord. Do you see? Yes. Uh, yeah. What the Lord led me to do many years ago is we were getting a number of demonic attacks at night because the Satan doesn't like us being here doing the work of God and we have had all sorts of strange things happen. So just like somebody would go around the house locking the doors and checking it and closing the windows, as I'm doing that, and Anna will do this as well, we pray around the house and we shut the doors spiritually. We just claim it as God's holy zone we drive out all darkness in Jesus name every demonic spirit that would try to afflict us at night we command to leave and I take authority over the house and pray over it yeah yeah and I plead the blood of Jesus around the house so I'd encourage you to do something Similar to that, and if you have any other attacks, remember the enemy is persistent, so you just be more persistent. More persistent. Eventually, he leaves because he doesn't like it. He sure doesn't like it when you turn up the worship and say, yeah, I love you, Jesus. (laughs) And then he's like, oh man, I want to get out of here. And then you're reading the scriptures, I don't like this. Ah, like roaches, when you turn on the light and flee. That's the way it is, yes. So sometimes, you know, even though you do that you still have attacks and, and people may ask, Well, why am I am I still under attack? But I believe sometimes the Lord will allow it to teach us how to fight. Yes. Like the best way to learn how to combat and to fight is actually fight. Yes. You know, so. Amen. Yeah, the best way to learn to fight is by fighting. And so the Lord lets these things happen to strengthen us in our spirit. Not that God wants to do anything bad to you, but he wants you to become a warrior. So with regards to your home, use your authority to claim your home as holy ground and put the blood of Jesus on the doorpost like Passover. Put the blood of Jesus on the doorpost. And I haven't done this in a while, but I've done this in the past. And this is a good thing to do. Get anointing oil and start anointing your doorpost with oil. The The windows, yeah. Start anointing it. Now... The anointing of the oil is symbolic of you praying. So that's why you're praying over it and you're you're claiming this place. This is God's place. When people come to my house, Lord, let them experience your presence. Let this be a place of peace and shalom and righteousness. So you're taking back what the enemy has tried to steal. (laughs) Yeah, sanitizing. Three. Now, we're going to go quicker with these because the time is near the end. S, submit to God. Say, submit to God. And this comes from James 4, 7. We just read. It says, submit, therefore, to God. I'm just turning to announce. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So before you can resist the devil, you need to submit to God. You're not going to have any authority unless you're submitted to God. So always remember to submit yourself afresh to God. All of your authority over temptation is based on your submission to God. Our authority is delegated by God to us and is only powerful as we submit to God. So it's a good thing to pray something like this. I submit my mind to you, Jesus. I submit my eyes to you. I submit my emotions to you. And let me say here don't let your emotions or your hormones lead you, because they will always lead you astray. The Holy Spirit is your leader. And so I submit my emotions, I submit my desires, I submit my hands, my feet. I submit every part of me, my ears, I submit every part of me to be righteous. And in doing this, you're putting on the breastplate of righteousness in that submission to God. So be, be very specific about your submission. You may feel like doing something. You know it's not right. I submit my heart, my desire to you right now, Lord, so it's in, the, in, it's in the moment of temptation that you need to submit to God. It's in the moment of temptation that you need to use your authority. Submit to God, resist the devil, and look at the promise. He will flee from you. Say that with me. He will flee from you. It's a promise. He will flee from you. So practice regularly submitting all the parts of your body to Christ's righteousness. And in submission to God, that's the safest and most powerful place to be. This brings us to the eye. Include God's people in the battle. Include God's people in the battle. Now notice how Paul is always asking for prayer. If you read his epistles, he's always asking for prayer. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And through that, I learned that I often will ask for prayer. One time, many, many years ago, somebody got so angry with me, wrote me an email this long, said, How, what audacity you have to ask for prayer all the time. And, uh, and then, of course, a, a number of different attacks. And I just went back to the scripture. Paul lived like that. He needed prayer. I need prayer. We all need prayer because the real battle is fought in prayer. It's a spiritual battle. It's a warfare. We need to fight together. And don't don't be discouraged if if it's not a big prayer group. Again, two or three are powerful enough to put the enemy to flight and to shake the kingdom of darkness. And so we read in Ephesians 6.18, and I'm not going to be too much longer, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, be on the alert and with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so Paul here is saying we, to, we are to pray continually all the time, making all kinds of prayers, praying for all the saints. And then he says, pray for me as well. Because preaching the word is spiritual. And there is a battle. And afterwards, after that battle, it can be quite exhausting. So please pray for me even after I preach <laughs> that the Lord will recover my strength because there is battle. Sometimes I'm up all night. Many times I'm up all night praying, asking God for his word, uh, fighting all sorts of demonic uh, attacks. But by God's strength in your prayers, I can stand strong. Amen? So include God's people Paul knows that we win or lose through persistent prayer. And we remember with Moses on the hill, with Joshua fighting below, that when Moses got tired and weary, Joshua started to lose the battle. This is in Exodus 17, 8 through 16. But when Aaron and Hur lifted up Moses' hands and helped him to pray, Joshua was winning the battle. And so we see a direct correlation in that story between prayer and intercession and winning the battle. And when Moses became weary, that's when the enemy started to take ground. One of the tactics of the enemy is isolation. And this is why... The, the enemies of God are saying to Nehemiah, come down, come and meet with me. He wants to get Nehemiah away from the people because it's through isolation that the enemy can deceive you and smooth talk. And especially he tries to get people bitter at other Christians because if other Christians are in unity in Jesus' name, there is great power. So what is the enemy trying to do? Get you not to gather Get you not in the house of God. Get you mad at your pastor. Please, I have had enough struggles. I need your love. (laughs) Get you mad at your pastor. Get you mad at this person, that person. His whole goal is isolation. So then we identify the enemy. The enemy is trying to cause division. I resist him, and I love the person. I love the person because Jesus died for them. One of the greatest enemies, one of the greatest areas of deception is persuading Christians that church is not important. So they then develop a habit of not gathering together, and then the enemy's gaining ground. He knows he's gaining ground. So call... I want to encourage you when you're in temptation, call on friends to pray for you, especially when you're tempted. Call on friends to pray for you. Come together in prayer. Be in the house of God. And the same way that Paul asked for prayer, humble yourself to ask for prayer. Five, we're almost finished here, is S is sharpen your sword. Sharpen your sword. I won't be too long here, but this is a whole message in itself. Sharpen your sword. Psalm 119.11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might, might not sin against you. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you, that I wouldn't do any wrong. So you sharpen your sword by meditating and memorizing Scripture. And we talked about that at the beginning of the message. And it's specifically find verses, meditate and memorize on verses that the enemy is challenging you in or their are weak areas in your life. So if the weak area is with worry and anxiety or you feel abandoned, find all the scriptures about fear and anxiety and memorize them. God has not given me a spirit of fear, things like that. Also, if you feel abandoned, then memorize the scriptures of God being with you. I think all of us need that. I am with you. I am yours. Verses like that. And continually speak them and declare them. Remember how Jesus fought the devil in the wilderness? He kept on quoting verses from Deuteronomy. So He used the sayings of Scripture as a sword to ward off the enemy. So sharpen your sword. And lastly, six, the T in resist is take up the shield of faith. Amen. Oh, I spelled shield wrong. <laughs> take up, it's not shied. Take up the shield of faith. <laughs> I try to edit these things, but some things just go past you. You can put a little L And there, take up the shield of faith. So what do we read? And this is our last verse, Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith by which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Notice throughout this message, there's been all spoken over and over. All power, all authority, all the saints, all the time. And here again, in addition to all, say all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. All those flaming arrows. Every attack that we read about in Nehemiah chapter 6, every one that's aimed at us, we combat it through the shield of faith by putting our faith and trust in God and His Word, and what He has done, and what He is doing, and what He will do. He will soon crush Satan under our feet. Faith is remembering what God has said and trusting in it. Amen. So let's all stand. Let's all stand. So as we stand... and. Uh, I want to just review. The R is remember. Remember who God is and the rest of it. And then E, exercise your authority. And the S is submit to God. The I include God's people. The next S is sharpen your sword. And the last, the T, is take up the shield of faith. Amen? Amen. And so when you're under temptation, remember this word resist. And every week I work on coming up with detailed notes. They're all on brisbanefire.com. I want to encourage you to use those notes um, through the week. You can take a a day of a week and meditate on one point. But the notes are the reason why I do the notes is to give you some tools to help you throughout the week. And uh, you can do it with your family, you can do it with, with friends. So I put up the notes there for a reason. I work hard on them so that they're a blessing to you. And they're all all on BrisbaneFire.com under messages, so you can print it out for yourself. The handout is an abbreviated version of the full detailed notes. Thank you, Jesus. So here we are, Lord. We are in your presence. We receive you, Father. We receive your righteousness, your truth, your peace, your faith, your salvation, your word. We receive you. We receive that your spirit of prayer. We receive you, Lord, so that we can resist the devil. And we thank you that if we submit to you, God, and we resist the devil, he will flee from us. I pray for your people to be a powerful people, to remember who they are, to be strong in you. Just move, Father, move upon each one. Strengthen us, renew us, restore us. Make us like Nehemiah was. I am doing a great work and I will not come down. Thank you for your grace. Hallelujah.